The Lord be with you. And with, and with your, your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, you, O Lord. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In his preaching, he proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. There is a legend about a Roman soldier, and it comes from the age of persecutions. That was the first two and a half centuries of the church's existence, when the Roman Empire repeatedly tried to destroy the church. Now, the story goes as follows. The soldier went off on a long war campaign, leaving his wife with child. While he was gone, she gave birth. Soon thereafter, she converted to Christianity and was baptized and had her baby baptized as well. Meanwhile, the soldier met some Christians and heard their explanations of what it meant to be baptized into this new faith. He, however, could not be baptized before the campaign ended and he returned home. His wife was overjoyed upon his arrival, but apprehensive about what his reaction would be to her baptism. She decided to break the news gradually First, she showed him their child, baby boy, and only then mentioned that she had him baptized. Immediately, the husband became quiet and reflective. He looked again at the child. Then he knelt down beside the crib. He bowed his head closed his eyes, and silently began to pray. His wife 
was puzzled by this. She knelt next to him and asked, my love, what are you doing? At first, he continued to pray. Then he opened his eyes and looked at his wife. My love, he answered, if our son has been baptized, he has himself become a holy temple. For Christ the Lord, his Father, the creator of all, and the living Holy Spirit have made their home in his heart. So we can pray to God there. An amazing story, a powerful story of how this Roman soldier recognizes the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in his newborn son. That speaks powerfully to us as well, that he recognized his son was a holy temple of God. And that's also true for us. And that's one of the first amazing things about baptism, that it elevates us from being merely a part of God's creation to becoming God's adopted children. That is why during the baptismal ceremony, or rite, it includes officially proclaiming the name of the child or person who is to be baptized. Now, we hope that that name will be a Christian name. And that name is important because it speaks to identity. Now, for us, we have things that speak about our identity. And I just happened to bring my passport with me. You know those passport pictures and it, that make us look like we're all criminals? Well, that's one of these. But what this is, is it's a form of identity that tells people that I am part of the people of Canada, that I am a member of that community. And so this is part of my identity. Well, as I say, that Christian name, at the time it is announced at baptism, it indicates personal identity. And baptism increases our personal identity by making us members not only of our natural family, yet also members of God's own external and supernatural family. This really and truly happens with baptism. It is not just some nice little pretty ritual or nice symbol. It really and truly happens. And when that happens at every baptism, 
especially with an infant. What happened at Jesus' baptism happens at that baptism. The skies open up. The Holy Spirit descends, maybe not in the form of a dove, but God's voice speaks, speaks into the hearts of the parents, the godparents, the grandparents, and maybe others who might be in attendance. And it speaks to their hearts by saying, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter. My favor rests on them. I am well pleased with them. And that was spoken at each of our baptisms by our loving God. To give us our identity as truly children of God. Now, St. John puts it in that second reading. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, and this is the faith we profess at baptism, is begotten by God. We are made by God. We are in God's image and likeness. When we are baptized, God's own divine life is actually planted within us, within our hearts, like a seed. And wherever God's life is, God himself is present. God himself is there. That's why every baptized Christian is truly a temple of God. God is present in that person. And so thereby, they are sacred. That's sacred space. That is a sacred thing. That the Holy Trinity, in a mysterious way, dwells and makes its home within each of us. After we have been baptized, and it remains there as long as we do not commit a mortal or grave sin. And yet, if we do commit something of a mortal or grave sin, God has given us a remedy, and that is the sacrament of confession, reconciliation which in a way is like a second baptism because it allows God to absolve us and return to our souls, to restore our identity, to restore who we are in the sight of God, to restore as well that holy temple. This is one of the reasons why Christians are so careful to avoid sins that would desecrate this temple, the temple of our bodies. Things like drugs, drunkenness, sexual sins, self-inflicted violence, and other ways of self-harm. Our bodies, as I say, are Temples of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit resides within us. 
And that's why it's imperative for us to always treat our bodies, this temple, with great respect, to show it great reverence. Jesus didn't need to be baptized for his own sake. Yet he wanted to be baptized for our sake, for who we are. And as we know, baptism is the first of the seven sacraments. It's the first personal encounter sacramentally that we have with our risen Lord. So another way we can kind of look at it is Baptism is like a spiritual operation that God uses to fix everything. Everything that was broken in our souls as a result of original sin. Then we have the other sacraments, those other encounters with our risen Lord where God can lead us through a program of what could be described as spiritual rehabilitation, making us into even greater people of God, making us even more restored and strengthened temples of God, to make us into these elite and very sacred and precious vessels filled in wisdom and virtue. In other words, what God forms us in these temples of God is to be saints, to be holy men and women filled with the presence of God and living and loving God and those around us. Yet Jesus wasn't affected by original sin. Jesus didn't need that reconstructive surgery on his soul. So John the Baptist recognizes this, and that's why he tells everyone that he is not even worthy to remove the sandals from Jesus' feet. Because in those days, that was a task reserved for a servant or maybe even a slave. So if Jesus didn't need a spiritual rebirth, if he was already perfect in his communion with God the Father, why did he get baptized? And again, it was for our sake, for you and I, for all people. Because he wanted to reveal his strategy for redeeming the world by entering so fully into our human condition that he took upon himself the weight of all our sins, the sins of all humanity and of human history, so that we could be freed of them, 
so that we could be unshackled from them and so that we could have a new start, a new hope, a new life, a restored and new identity. Through the centuries, the Holy Spirit has gradually revealed the beauty and the meaning of this first sacrament, which is baptism. A beautiful sacrament that we are encouraged to live every day of our lives. Today, we reflect and have reflected on what baptism means, on this great gift that has been given to us and some of its most intriguing characteristics. Because the more we appreciate them, the more we appreciate what baptism does for us and within us the more fully we will be able to live the life Christ died to give us so that we can then go out and be his disciples to fulfill our mission, to be another Christ, to be that disciple that brings others to come to know who Jesus is, to experience him, to experience the love of the Father and the Holy Spirit, to become these holy temples that reflect the presence of God. Baptism is a great and miraculous gift, yet it also has a great responsibility. That's why we are called to go forth. We are sent forth as disciples and to make disciples of all nations. And it is the beginning of a lifelong adventure, the great adventure, the adventure of following Christ through this earthly pilgrimage into the everlasting joys of heaven. And we are to bring as many people with us, our family, our friends, our co-workers, those who come into our path every day, to bring them to come to know the love of God. It is the only journey that can really, truly satisfy the deepest yearnings of our hearts, those deepest things, things like meaning, wisdom, and purpose. And it is a journey that Jesus himself made possible by deciding to take our human nature upon himself as his own baptism demonstrates for us. So this is an opportunity for us 
to reflect on our own baptism, to reflect on our own identity. In other words, to kind of look at our own Christian passport, to recognize the indelible mark that has been placed upon us and on our souls, and to live that, to live that character, to live that dignity every day of our lives. Now, talk about it this week, or even today. If you're having some maybe Zoom calls or whatever, or even on the phone, or within your own homes, talk about baptism, what your baptism was like. Maybe there's pictures. Pull them out, look at them. If there was somebody at your baptism, ask them to say, tell you, what was it like? What was that day like? And to reflect on this great gift. And then in a few moments, we are going to allow Jesus to give us new strength. New strength for this journey by feeding us, by feeding our souls with his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. Even if we don't receive it here, obviously, in person, but even where we are, he wants to feed our souls. Let's reflect on that as well. Let's give pause to think about how much Jesus loves us, that he gives us that great gift as well. His body, blood, soul, and divinity. When Jesus does this for us, and so much more, let's thank him. Let's thank him for the priceless gifts that he bestows upon us. And to thank him from the depth of our hearts, from the depths of our being. And let's renew our commitment, our commitment to put all of these gifts to good use, to truly live our identity as a child of God, as part of the body of Christ, the people of God, and to realize that we can and will make a difference if we will embrace the fact that we are a temple of God, that God resides in each one of us. It will change how we interact with each other, how we look at each other. And most of all, it will help us. It will help us to accomplish the mission that Jesus has entrusted to us as his disciples and to make disciples of all nations, of all people. So my friends, that's the goal. That's what's being offered to us. Let's celebrate it well today. And let us thank Jesus for the identity that we have been given. Child of God, God's favor rests on us, and God is very well pleased with us. Amen? <laughs>